word coming alive within our hearts. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you quicken us to the things that you're passionate about and you're passionate about people. I pray for opportunities. I pray for open doors. I pray for divine appointments. I pray, Lord God, that people bump into complete strangers and suddenly start talking about you and that uh, we see uh, seeds being deposited in lives and people stepping across the line and accepting you as their personal Lord and Savior. We pray, Father, speak to us, empower us as we sit under the, uh, the power of your word, under your Holy Spirit as you lead us through this, this morning's service in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Pete, can I ask you a big favor, mate? Can I get you to put up the words of the good, good Father on the screen? And if uh, you yeah, just go to the verses... <clears throat> I will, I've heard, that. okay, so this, this, this grabbed me this morning, this, this particular verse, okay, it says, oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, in other words, there's this perception out in the community about what God's like, okay, and then it says, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in, in the dead of night, and my, my, my query is, okay, have you told anyone about that whisper? Because there's people out there with this perception about what God's like, We've heard it. Then go to the next verse. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. Next verse, please. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide. My question is, has anyone told them about where to get the answers? Because there's... There's a subliminal message here that we've got the answers, but I'm not going to tell you. There's this subtleness in this, this song. I love this song. I think it's phenomenal. And I don't want to play with your heads about where, you know, ruin this song for you. But there's a question in my heart. Who's telling these people about this stuff? Who's telling people about this stuff? I think it's important. I, I really do sense uh, something of the Holy Ghost in us speaking up and being open with our faith, open with the things about God. George Sweeting, uh, in his book, The No Guilt Guide for Witnessing, tells of a man by the name of John Currier, who in 1949 was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Later, he was transferred and paroled to work on a farm near Nashville in Tennessee. In 1968, this guy's sentence was terminated and a letter bearing the good news was sent to him. But he never saw the letter, nor was he told anything about it. Life on that farm was hard and without the promise for a future. Yet John kept doing what he was told even after the farmer for whom he worked had died. Ten years went by, and then a state parole officer learned about John Currier's plight, found him, and told him his sentence had been terminated. It was finished. He was no longer bound by the terms of that sentence, that he was a free man. Sweeting concluded this story by asking this question. Would it matter to you if someone sent you an important message, the most important message of your life, and year after year, that important, life-changing message was never delivered. That is a massive challenge. That is a massive challenge for the church. And the church is not a building. 
Are we doing all that we can to share the message about Jesus, about the good news? I don't believe any of us have any difficulties in sharing with others some of the wonderful and powerful things that happen in our lives. You can't shut me up about my grandkids. You can't shut me up about bragging on my kids and, and some of the great things that, that happen in our lives. We, it just naturally flows out of all of us, doesn't it? If, if we're really open and honest. We can't help but tell about the promotions or the, the wage increases or, or getting a new car or building a new home or, or all of those sorts of things. It's just something that, you know, it just flows out of us. We bump into someone at the shops or at work or a sporting event, and it's not long before we find ourselves talking about some of the really great things that have happened to us. So this morning, I want to give us some very practical ways about sharing Jesus. Uh, we started this year, uh, earlier in the year, talking about the four cups, and in particular, the, the cup of salvation. And where Jesus, or God wants to get us out of Egypt. It's talking about how God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt. And, and God wants uh, people out of Egypt. For, for want of a better phrase, it's a sort of like a picture of getting us out of uh, the kingdom of darkness. And he wants to transfer us into the kingdom of light. Uh, for, for want of a better, I guess, picture for you. So we're going to end this year by helping us to uh, all to start to take small steps in openly sharing the wonderful news of the gospel, about sharing that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a message that we need to understand. See, we actually exist as the body of Christ, the church, to openly represent the love and the grace of God through practical, interactive ways in our community, wherever we are. It's what we do. It's where we are heading as a church. See, I've set myself this goal over this next 12 months. I want to win one person to Jesus this, in this next 12 months. Their name's up there on that board. I pray for this person. I pray for opportunities. I pray for softening of that person's heart. I pray that, that I would be given uh, a, a, a means of being able to reach out and to speak to him about Christ. See, we are a church that loves God and loves people enough that we're willing to actually openly be sharing about the wonderful good news of Jesus. Does that sound like something we want to do? Let me ask you again. Is that something like we want to do? It is, isn't it? It's something that we, we feel that it's, it's something that God's asked us to do. I love the words of, of Mark in, uh, in Mark's gospel. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, out of the Passion Translation, Jesus says to his disciples, just as he's about to leave them, he says one of the most powerful things. He says, as you go into the world, as you go into the world, <clears throat> as you go into the world, openly share the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. See, my, my conviction is that we do this on our way in our day. Just turn to the person next to you. You're going to do this on your way in our day. We're going to do this on our way through our day. See, these words mark the beginning of the Christian church in the early days. They represent the heart, the calling, the purpose, and the potential of the church. But they also mark 
one of the greatest shortcomings of the church today as well. We do so much so well. We have great programs. We have great outreach uh, things to be able to connect people with needs and, and, and food parcels and, and clothing and support and care and love. But we're not open with the gospel. We're not open with the gospel. Pastor Steve McCracken came in September 2015. And he brought a specific word to this church. And he said to us, God's desire is for infused church to grow and our communities to be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. See, he also said to us that infused church will not primarily grow, nor will our communities be transformed by what happens at church for a couple of hours on a Sunday. It won't also happen at outreach programs during the week. Or it won't happen at a conference that we attend or through the gifts of Pastor Jane and myself. It won't come as a result of the Spirit of God speaking through the leaders here. The church putting on more staff to reach more people is not going to get the job done. It's not going to bring the influence or or create that transformation in our community that we believe that God has called us to do. See, Pastor Steve said that the influence of this church in this community and seeing it engaged and transformed would come through us all embracing the call to full-time ministry. So you need to turn to the person next to you and let them know you're in full-time ministry. You're in full-time ministry. You are a full-time minister of the gospel. You're a full-time minister of the gospel. Did you catch that? You're in full-time ministry. Wherever you are, whatever you do, you are a full-time minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think that's great. It takes the pressure off me, I can tell you right now. <laughs> but I need to stand up in my responsibility to also be a full-time minister out in the community to the people in my community. See, if we have Christ, we have what people need. Like that song said, you know. We've heard this stuff around and about. You know, I've heard a thousand stories of what people think you're like. We actually know. We actually know. Because we're in a relationship with Jesus, we can represent him. We know what his love is like. We know what his grace is like. And it's exciting. It's liberating. It's fun. It's it's. It's, it gives you peace, it gives you joy, it gives you strength, it brings stability to your life. Does that mean all your problems are gone and you never have a problem in the world? No. In all likelihood, they're about to start. Why? Because now you're conflicted. Do I talk about Jesus or not? There should be no conflict. There should be this natural outflow of, of something great that's happened in our world and, and I can't help but talk about him. This church will grow and this city will be transformed as a result of us all engaging our community and revealing God in it as we go about our everyday lives. I've done a very dangerous thing. I've read a book that's gripped me. It's a book by Paul Bartlett. He is the community engagement 
national person for the uh, Australian Christian churches. And his book's called Thank God It's Monday. Not thank God it's Friday. Because most of us think, man, if I could just get to the end of the week and the week is over, I just need to hit the weekend. I need to have some downtime. I need to have some rest. I need to have some relaxation. I need to have some, some, just some calm in my world. Thank God it's Friday. He says that if we got a, a true understanding of what God has called us to do and to, for how to represent him in our world, we would wake up on a Monday morning saying, thank God it's Monday. I get to share Jesus with someone in my community. I get to share something wonderful that's happened in me with the people in my world right throughout my week. God's positioned you specifically, strategically, intentionally, and deliberately in your workplace so that you can represent him and his love and his grace in that place that you're working, that you're living, that you're playing sport, that you're going to university, whatever it is. God's placed you specifically there because he wants you to be open with what he's done in your life. And about three people will say, Amen. That's a great thing to have happen, isn't it? I mean, that just puts a quiver in my liver. It's just fantastic news. See, we go to great lengths in this church to create a contemporary, positive, engaging worship service with a great children's ministry. We have great music. We've got nice lights. They're comfortable seats. They are comfortable seats, baby. Okay? So this may come as a surprise to you, but the community doesn't wake up on a Sunday morning saying to itself, what shall I do today? I know I'll go to church. It doesn't wake up. The community does not wake up on a Sunday morning thinking, I want to go to church. See, a recent study by researcher Mark McCrindle showed that Australians want more parklands with walking tracks at the top of their list of community buildings and facilities. That's the number one thing that they're looking for in the community. The third thing on their list was more local community care centres. The tenth thing on that list was more leash-free dog parks. <laughs> the thirteenth thing that they were looking for in their community was more local church buildings. We made the list at least. So we're starting a ministry out in the area just down there for leash-free dog park. Actually, that's just, I'm not, we're not going to do that, Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's just, that was a joke, Joyce. <laughs> but, I mean, that's amazing to me. But it, it says about the influence that the community believes that the church can bring into its world that they don't value what a church can bring or a church can do because too often the church has been judgmental and full of hypocrisy. Those days have got to change and we've got to be open with the grace of God and the love of God in our world. We've got to go out into the community, not with an agenda to see people saved, but to genuinely love people where they are. We've got to go out into our community, not with all of the answers, but to walk with people until they find and discover the answers for themselves. 
Just having gentle, small conversations with people, loving them right where they are, accepting them, not judging them. Too often the church is so quick to point the finger. The church is known for what it's against more than what it's about, what it's for. Oh, the church is against gay marriage. The church is against abortion. No, we're, we're for families. We're about families. That's what we love. But too often, the proponents of church expansion and stuff just need to rethink how you express yourself. We need to rethink how we express ourselves in our world around about. That's why we've said as a church, encounter follows encounter. This is what we believe as a church. Encounter follows encounter. That is a corporate mandate upon this church, but it's also an individual mandate as well. We encounter God. We're going to passionately follow after him, but we're going to help others to encounter God as we go out into our world as well. That's why, you know, Jesus himself said in in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, that Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping, the complete furnishing of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. What is this ministry that he talks about? For the work of ministry. What sort of ministry do we have? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled. In other words, He's returned to favor with. He's, he's reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, He's given us the the role of helping people to return to favor with God, to return to right relationship with God. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, there's a responsibility on us to speak up about what Christ has made available to us. God's in a good mood with you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. See, our challenge is to see ourselves as ministers of the gospel as we go about what we're doing. That's the challenge we have. But we don't see ourselves that way. We listen to that inner voice about all the things that we've done wrong, all the things we could have done better, instead of understanding and believing what Jesus says about us. Many times we've missed opportunities because our focus is how do I invite people to church rather than help me to represent God well where the people are. We get stage fright in in inviting people to church. You know what? They're going to come one day. But what they need to see is the church in action right next to them. You okay? I'm preaching well. See, we want 
to bring people to God rather than bring God to people. See, if, if I, all I can think about is inviting people to church, I'm going to clam up. I don't know how to do that well. But if I represent God in my workplace, in my school, in my university, at my sporting fixture, during sporting practice, at parents' meetings, in school, whatever, I can represent him well. I, I can reflect who Jesus is simply by caring for people by loving people just right where they are. See, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, it says, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. See, this is speaking of the practicality of living the Christian life. It's actually recognizing that there's a need... And understanding that God has allowed me to see that need because there's a possibility I can meet that need. Does that make sense? If, you know, it's, it's like um, you just go into the shops and you see someone you know. Maybe it's a, it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a, a parent of um, one of your, your children's um, friends. In the shops. And you can see that they're not, you know, like not traveling well. It's, it's not hard to see when people aren't traveling well, okay? They're, they look like they've been sucking on lemons, okay? Their countenance is down. They're, 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 they're despondent. They're maybe not as happy as they normally would be. You know that they're normally a happy person, but on this occasion they're not. And you say, what, what, are you okay? You look like you're a bit down. They say, oh, no, I'm okay. We need to ask the second question. How are you really? How are you really? Now, it may not be an opportunity in the middle of a shopping center to have a deep and meaningful conversation. I can see that that, uh, you're struggling a little bit. How about we catch up for a coffee? Would you like to come over? Or, you know, I I can't meet with you right now, but you know what? I want you to know I'm going to pray for you. I'm I'm going to... like many, I've said many times, like working in the police communication center, uh, many years ago, we used to get all the triple O calls from the community and we used to be responsible for uh, dispatching the patrol cars and, and things like that. And, and there were a number of times where I had someone phone me and they were in a dire situation. And we, I, I organized for the patrol car to get dispatched them and I was still on the phone to these people and I would say to them, listen, I've, I'm organizing a patrol car, they're on their way. But right now, I want you to know, I'm a, I'm a Christian man. I actually believe in the power of prayer. Would you mind if I prayed with you right now? I never had a single complaint. Never had someone say, no, I keep your prayers to yourself, buddy. They all said, oh, would you please? Would you please? I need help right now. They'll take help whenever they can get it. When someone's going through a crisis, it doesn't matter where the help's come from. They are just wanting someone to know that, they, that they're, they're being cared for. And that's all it takes. See, Christianity and our relationship with God is personal, but it was never meant to be private. Pause. Sila. 
Let me say it again. Christianity and our relationship with God is personal. Absolutely it is. But it was never meant to be private. It was never meant to be a secret. Our life with God is a life that is designed to touch others in practical ways. That's why we can do it on our way through the day. So here's three things that I think might help us in sharing Jesus in practical ways. First thing, first principle is this, do the small stuff. Just do the small things. Just start out little. I haven't done it for a, a couple of months, but I like to run. Okay? Now, quite often all I do is lean forward and let momentum carry me forward. Okay? Uh, and that's how I, I usually run. The thing is, in the police academy, it was one of the things I hated the most. Okay? Would not like to go for a run. We used to go for 10K beach runs. Up the sand dunes, into the water, up the sand dunes, into the for 10Ks. And the first thing I used to do when I get back from the run was have a cigarette. But I don't know why I did that. But <laughs> I was just my own worst enemy, you know what I mean? But like going for a run, I started out small. For the last probably two years, two, two and a half years, I've, I've tried to, to work on my fitness. But I didn't start doing 10 and 12K runs. I was lucky if I lasted for a for a couple of Ks. And what I did was actually to run for a minute and walk for a minute. Actually, probably gasp for a minute. <laughs> that's, that's how I did it. I started small. And gradually, I built up not just my endurance, but the length of my run as well. I actually started to notice that I lost weight during that process too. And I actually noticed my stress level. I was able to, to bear more stress I was able to, to, to work under a heavier workload, mental workload, heart, emotional workload, as I got fitter as well. But I didn't do the 10 and 12K runs uh, right off the bat. It just, it's just in the little things, church. It's just in the little things. There's this uh, a what-would-you-do challenge that was given as a part of this job application process for this particular job. And this is the challenge. What would you do in this circumstance, okay? You're driving along in your car on a wild, stormy night. You pass by a bus stop and you see three people waiting for a bus. First person is an older woman who looks like she's about to die. The second person you see is an old friend who once saved your life. And the third person you see is the perfect person you've been dreaming of all your life. Which one would you choose to offer a ride to knowing that there could only be one passenger in your car? You could pick up the older woman because she's about to die and thus you could save her first. Or you could take the old friend because he once saved your life and this would be the perfect opportunity to pay them back for that, that wonderful thing. Or you could know that you'd never again see the perfect person of your dreams. The candidate that actually got the job out of 200 applicants said his answer was so easy. He said this, he said, I would give the car keys to my old friend and let him take the lady to the hospital. 
and I would stay behind and wait for the bus with the woman of my dreams. I've got to tell you, sometimes you've just got to think outside the box. <laughs> sometimes it's just a small thing, just think outside the box. Just be open to that thing that maybe the Holy Spirit just, just drops in your heart. Just drops in your heart. That, that subtle thing that you need to do to be able to get the message through to that person. See, Jesus challenges his disciples, and I believe he challenges us, in Matthew 10 and other places, to do the small things to show that God loves those people and that his grace is being extended to them. Matthew 10, he talks about giving a cup of water. In John chapter 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet and he challenges them to do likewise. In John 13, again, it's, he talks about uh, you'll be known because of your love for each other. See, it's in doing the small things to show God's love for people. We'll never fully know what small act of kindness will touch and transform a person's life. There's a John Bowes. He's the chairman of the parent company called Wham-O, the maker of Frisbees. Once they participated in a charity effort, they sent one, thousands of plastic flying discs to an orphanage in Angola, Africa. He thought the children would enjoy playing with the Frisbees. Several months later, a representative of this company visited that orphanage, and one of the nuns thanked him for the wonderful plates his company had sent to them. She told him that the children were eating off of the Frisbees, they were carrying water with them, and even catching fish with these Frisbees. When the representative explained how the Frisbees were intended to be used, the nun was even more delighted that the children would also be able to enjoy them as a toy. See, it's just in the small things. It's just in the small things. And allowing God to use the small things to get the message through to those people. We'll never fully know how a life will be touched by one small act of kindness, but God does. See, Jesus hints at the impact doing the small things can have when we are open with the gospel as we go about our day, as we're on our way to the shops, as we're on our way to work, as we're on our way to our sports practice. Whatever it is, we can have a tremendous impact in the life of someone if we'll simply be open to what he wants us to do. We can give someone a drink of water, a plate of food, show hospitality, clothe someone, care for the sick, visit them in hospital or in prison. And Jesus says this powerful thing when we do those things. He says in Matthew 25 verse 40, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you were doing it for me. We're not doing it for... See, too often we think that the Christian life's all about me. It's not. You need to get over yourself. It's not all about you. It's about the people around about. You say, well, what about me? Well, someone's going to have you on their heart. It's not all about you. Rick Warren in his book, start, the, the opening uh, phrase in his book says it's not all about you. Some, that's a wake-up call for some people. We need to get over ourselves. We need to get out into our community. And just as we're going on our way to work, we can be the most powerful person that this person has ever experienced as they hear about the love of God and they see the love of God demonstrated in our lives. The second principle is that to understand that simple acts can change the world. Small, simple acts 
can change the world. That's the principle we need to understand. See, a lady was filling a box for India when a child brought her a one-cent coin. This lady took that one-cent coin and purchased a Bible tract and then put it inside this box to be transported to, uh, to India. Sounds a bit like uh, Samaritan's Purse. It was at length, this box was at length given to a Burmese chief and that Bible tract led him to Christ. The chief told the story of his new God and his great happiness to his friends. They also believed and they cast away their idols. The church was built there and a missionary was sent and over 1,500 people were converted as a result of that church or that that community uh, being established upon Christian things. And it all came about because one child put in a one-cent coin from which there was purchased a Bible tract. Never underestimate the power that something small can have in the life of the people around about us. Simple acts can change the world. Just think how God came into this world. How did he come? It wasn't with bells and whistles. He wasn't riding on white horses with trumpets blazing. This is Christmas. Okay, this is the celebration of what we're, we're actually supposed to be celebrating is, is the birth of Jesus. I'm not sure he was actually born on December 25, but you know what? I'm open to anything at the moment. It's a celebration of his birth, okay? For unto us a child is born, unto us a saviour is given. Jesus touched people at the very point of need. He didn't just heal them physically or, or lift their spirits. He changed their lives. And it came about because he was a child. Came as a baby. Jane shared with all the volunteers this morning at a a huddle together that Jesus came as a child first. He gave his life on a cross to pay for our sins and to change the world with his love. God was aware we would never get this on our own. So he sent his son to die for us. His Holy Spirit to lead us to faith and to change our hearts by being exposed to his love. God's desire is to use us to be open wherever we are to reveal the love of God so that he can change our world. It's not my job to change our world. I only need to talk about the one who does. Jesus was once asked what it meant to love one's neighbor. And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. And we can read in that story how three different groups of people responded to a need that was right in front of them. Two of the groups did nothing, but the third person, a Samaritan, the Jew's number one enemy, stops and cares for this man. He bandages him up, he gets him to a hotel room to recover, and he picks up the tab. Then Jesus asked this questioner this question himself. I love the way that Jesus answers questions. He answers questions with a question. Too often Christians have answers, and sometimes we just need to ask a good question. He says to this guy, he says, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And Jesus asked. Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus said, yeah, now go and do likewise. You go and do the same. See, simple acts can change someone's world. We can do this on our way through our day. The third principle is this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens Turn to the person next to you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things, Alina. 
You can do all things, Andy. You can do all things, Haley. You can do all things, Jenny. See, it's likely impossible that at this point in this message that some people might be caught up in guilt of not doing enough to show the love of Jesus or feeling horrible how inadequate that love might seem. The challenge is that we often try to love in our own power and the power of Jesus, the power to share Jesus in practical ways comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's just being open to him speaking to us uh, and, and talking to us, giving us an impression. Someone's face comes to mind, give them a phone call. Go visit them. Stopping, turning left when you want to go straight ahead. Turn left instead. Paul, even when he was in prison, knew and experienced the power of Christ at work. Philippians 4.13 and the Passion Translation says this, I find the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me. I like this passage already. I find the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. You find it difficult to share openly? Lean into Christ's explosive power as it infuses you. See, salvation and life with God is not about my power, but it's about what Christ has already done. We get into heaven not by what we do, but what Christ has done. The power of our lives toward God and others flows out of God working in and through us. Sharing Jesus in practical ways with a cup of water, a meal, with words, a prayer, a listening ear, a ride to the doctor, and in so many other ways is just a call to do it. Just step out and do it. Do a Nike, just do it. Yet we need to always remember why we just do it. Our actions flow out of the realizations that Jesus did it. He died for us. He gives us eternal life. He empowers us with his presence. He challenges us to live out our purpose, not in just a big bang moment, but in the little everyday moments of life also. Because the greatest impact is likely to come from that simple impression to stop. It's not that you go and you see the the wonderful miracles and the power of God at work within you and you you had to pray and fast for three weeks beforehand to actually do something. Maybe you just need to be aware, take stock, look at someone. Not just at them, but look into them. Is there a need that Christ is asking us to meet? Saints, the simple acts done in love seem so small, yet we, when we realize that God is at work through them, we discover the great life of sharing Jesus in practical ways. This church will grow because people will encounter God through us wherever we go. You don't have to invite them to church. Just be the church wherever the people are. Church is a word that we get caught up about in it being a building. And church is not a building. 
The true meaning of the word that was used, it actually means a gathering of believers. The church is a gathering of believers. And we just need to be the church to our community. Our greatest call is not to invite people to church, but to shine where God has placed us. We can make a difference. We can be the connection between God and people. We can lead someone to Jesus. And we can do it on our way through our day. I showed this video a couple of weeks ago. I want to show it again this morning. It's called Strangers. Thanks, Peter. Might take a couple of seconds for it to come, but it's worth it. This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. How is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family, and he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James. He was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. 
Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. That's a powerful video. It's a powerful video. We just don't know the extent of what those small, simple acts can do in our world. Let's stand. This morning I want to pray for people who just simply want a revelation, a a fresh understanding, a new way of of seeing yourself in your everyday life. To believe that you can actually be a full-time minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God can use you in whatever endeavor, whatever employment, whatever sphere of influence, or school, university, sporting club, workplace, wherever. And that God can use you on your way. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would like to see, see that outworked in your, your world somehow, you just want a fresh understanding about that. Can I just ask you, if you, if you want that, can I just ask, ask you to hand, put your hand up? Because I want to pray for people specifically. My hand would go up. Thank you. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people that have responded this morning. I thank you that uh, this week you'll just give them a fresh understanding. Like you'll just switch the light on and it'll just happen. Because we're going to go out into our everyday worlds knowing that you've called us and that we've experienced this love that you've put in our hearts and that we can be there to actually represent you well through relationship. That you are our personal God, but we're not going to be private or hidden about it anymore. Father, I thank you that you give every person that's responded a fresh understanding, a new way of seeing it fresh ears to hear the call of help from people around about, fresh eyes to see that because we've seen a need that we actually have the capacity to meet that need. Father, help us. Help us to meet the needs of the people around about. Help us to represent you in our community, to shine your light wherever we are, not to hide your light but to shine your light. Father, help us to see that, to do that, to walk in that. I pray against, Father, despondency, I pray against guilt or condemnation that may be trying to heaped upon people by the enemy this morning. And I pray for freedom of thought, freedom of heart, freedom of mind. I thank you for the wonderful people that are here today, that every one of us has that ability to be able to connect someone with you. Father, help us to take you to the people, to be you to the people. In Jesus' mighty name today. Just as everyone...